Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire, singing your name, God of Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I am blessed to be able to bring the word this morning. Uh, Kent is on a well-deserved family getaway. They had family reunions. I think he had two of them this weekend. And as I told the first service, and I will tell you now before anybody asks the questions, yes, he took the banjo. So... You know what it's all about. He gets that close to Nashville, and he can't help but pick. I guess that's the, that's the thing. But uh, he had asked me to uh, bring the last sermon in the series. I know we've been talking about how to be connected together, that we're better connected. We're better when we do things together. And if you haven't heard that from this pulpit over the last several months, welcome back to church. Um, <laughs> because that's been our emphasis. But today, as you saw up on the screen, um, I am tackling the word generous, and more importantly, what it is to have a generous life. And a lot of people get a little antsy when a preacher gets up and says generous life, because they figure, here come the offering envelopes, here comes the appeal for all the money, and I am talking about generosity today as a whole, and how it affects your life and in your heart, and through the things that you do. There is a story of a farmer. And the farmer every year for seven years would win the state competition for the best corn. And finally, after his seventh victory, he got cornered by a reporter, and the reporter said to him and said, what is the secret to you winning every year? He says, it's no secret. He said, every year when it's planting time, I go around to all my neighbors and I give them my very best seed. The porter looked puzzled. So what are you talking about? You give them your best seed. He said, they're in competition. He said, most of them are entering against you. And he says, son, he says, you don't know anything about farming, do you? And he said, no. He said, well, if you knew anything about farming, you would know that you are subject to what is around you. So when my corn is being pollinated, when it is picking up the things that it needs from the air, the air swirls around over my family and my friends' farms, and it carries it into my corn. And the truth is that if I have them with an inferior grade of corn... Pretty soon, my corn adapts that to that and becomes inferior. He says, so I want to make sure that I give them the very best and that we all work together to have the best harvest possible. When I think about the word generosity, I don't think about people opening up their wallets. I don't think about checkbooks. I don't think about bank accounts. What I think about in my life is how people can pull together to do something extraordinary for God. 
Because every one of us in this church, all Christians around the world, we're gifted with so many things. Some of us have such talents in our hands, and we're able to create things. We're able to visualize things that nobody else sees. Some of us were gifted with the ability to speak and to go out and talk and show compassion to one another and love and go out and do for people. And yes, there are people that as Christians that are blessed to be able to help others out financially but not in the way that everybody always assumes. It's not about just handing money over. But maybe it's giving advice to young people about how to get ahead of the game before they're behind the game and begin to struggle. You see, being generous is defined as this. Someone that is willing to give help or support more than usual or even expected. Larger amounts are given. So we get ready to tackle this subject. I'm going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for the ability to be here today. As I spoke early this morning to you, and as I spoke in the last service, Father, I do not want these to be my words, but your words. I ask that your spirit move among us, that if there's something that we're supposed to take from this word that's going to penetrate and change our lives, Father, by all means, take your opportunity today to do that. But Father, most of all, we just thank you for being a generous Father, one whose life and his, your plan has played out to teach us so many things about how we can help our fellow man come to know your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray it all in his precious name this morning. Amen. So if you have your bulletin out, you'll look through there, and I'm going to erase one of your panics. It is not my hope to have 10 minutes on each point. That would make an hour and 10 minutes of preaching. Depending on how many of you fall asleep, whether you're the person or the person next to you, depends on how long I will continue today, okay? So you make sure that as if they nod off, you uh, go ahead and give them a nudge. The first person I saw when I said that is Linda, looks right over at Hollis, and Hollis has got his, and Hollis is thinking to himself, you don't have to worry about me, honey. So he's not going to be the one that let us down today. But I hope that in this hour or so, no, I hope in this time that we have, that as we look through God's word in just a few verses, that maybe you'll take the word generous to mean something different than you came in here with. If you've got it all figured out and you and God are good with generosity, hey, I am so glad you're ahead of the class. I'm going to tell you, you're far ahead of me in the class. Because when I prepare for sermons like this, God teaches me so much. So if you're following along, I want to start off with point number one. And point number one says that generosity creates community. And this is a verse of scripture that I chose to read. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 and 12. It says this, your generosity not only provides for the needs of God's people, but it also produces prayer of thanksgiving to God. 
as I set out on this, it's hard for me to pull away from my time here at Burlington Baptist Church. I was told the very first time that I came into this church, even before you hired me, Terry Wilder set me in his office and he says, I want to tell you something about Burlington Baptist Church. He says, these are a people that are going to know how to meet a need. And if they don't, they will figure out how to meet that need. And no matter what the means are to meet that need, they will meet that need. And the first thing I concluded about this church was Terry Wilder was very confusing to me when he talked. But I understood what he said. He simply said this. You'll never have to question the people of this church. Not about their ability and their willingness to serve. It's almost 18 years ago. Some say I look a little bit older. Everybody says I look a little bit bigger. (laughs) But he was right. Because in my 18 years here, not only have you provided for the needs of the people in the church, but you go above and beyond. And it is the greatest catalyst that we have in this community. Is a representative of this church, I am so happy when I walk into a school and hear them say, Jeff, can I talk to you for a second? Because usually that's followed by a need. And Joanne will tell you that when I come back from meetings like that, it doesn't take very long for us to go into the process. And we, some of you have let yourself be known, we know the people that we can contact in certain situations. And those prayers of thanksgiving, when they go up, they go up because the people that don't know Jesus Christ in this community, maybe some of them that are on the fringe, they see God's people at work. And we pick up that labor. So don't ever question the fact of where we have the capability of being generous because we do. Sometimes we get distracted in this world. Second point is this. Why should I be generous? Because it defeats materialism. Don't kid yourself. This whole election, this whole country we live in, all the countries around the world, all the people in this world are consumed with materialism. The haves and the have-nots. And it's directly against what God tells us in Scripture. In Matthew 6, 24, it says this, You cannot serve both God and money. means this, that when it comes down to your last dollar, when it comes down to your time to yourself, when it comes down to downtime, those things should never be held back from God and what he needs you to do. It is not ours to begin with. Everything that we have is a gift from God. 
And older people in this room, and I say that including myself, I'll say that from age 40 and above, older people in this room, it is our duty to make sure that we're generous with the knowledge that we figured out about this world and that materialism doesn't get us anywhere, especially spiritually. And that means that if it means we talk to our kids and our grandkids, hey, I'm not going to tell you that they're all going to listen. But what I'm going to tell you is you need, the best exam- need to be the best example as you can be. And make sure that they understand that it's not about what they're accumulating in the world. There was a gentleman by the name of Alan Barnhart that while he was in college, he was saved. And he went back to his dorm room one night and he was thinking about his life as it moved on from that point on. And Alan decided at that point in time that when he graduated with his degree and went back to take over the family business, that it was not going to run like a normal business. And so graduation day came. He went back and he began to work with his brother. And he told his brother, he said, you know what? He said, we need to sit down. And we need to devise what our income is going to be. He says, we need to figure out what it really takes to live on and live on it. And then he says, I want to take the extra money of the company and invest it in ministry. He says, I'm no minister, but he said, this is what God has given me the ability to do. And he says, and I believe in it. So the first year when the Barra brothers were working with their crane company. At the end of the year, they wrote a check for $50,000 to ministry. And both of them smiled. They knew it was good. The second year that they were in business, they wrote a check for $150,000 to ministry and didn't increase their salary. But what they did do is they started taking their family their kids, their wives. And not only were they giving money, but they began to work in these ministries that they were supporting. The third year, as the story goes, they began to give $1 million a month to the ministries and the needs. And I know that when you hear that story, you're sitting there going, well, that's a real generous person, but Jeff, I don't make that kind of money. Hey, I'm a minister. I'm a minister's son. I know exactly what the, where, where it plays out. I'm with you. There's more bills that come than I don't even know that I have bills. I mean, I mean you ever opened up your mail and you go, do I really owe that to somebody? But it doesn't mean that Jeff isn't generous to a point because God blesses me back because of the things that I'm able to do. I always tell this story, and those of you that have been out with me know that this is true. My wife see me do it. My poor daughter's here on the front pew. They roll their eyes when I do this because they will say, Dad will stop and talk to a garbage can. They will, you know. If I'm out, I don't, I mean, there's no strangers. But when I go into a store, when I go into a place of business, if there is a lady going in, I will take the door 
and I will hold it open for her and give her a smile, not say a word. And when they say, well, thank you, and I said, well, if I didn't do it, my mom will come back and kill me. She would. She promised me that. I was taught that even in the small things, that you have to be generous. Now, that might not work on uh, the early openings on Thanksgiving morning. That's some craziness that happens there. People pushing and you're not trying to get in there, you know. And I'm kind of sensitive to that because my poor wife is usually on the other side of that door when they unlock it, you know, and all those people kind of crush in. But there is nothing to keep us from day in and day out doing the small things to be generous to people. With your, when you're sitting in a restaurant, what precludes you from looking at the people that are around you and picking up a tab? What means that when you're in the drive-thru sometime that you don't say, say what the bill is behind you? Now, make sure that it's not a school bus. I'm just, no. <laughs> Or just make sure it's me. No, it's when you're going through that drive-thru and you just look at them and say, what is their bill? And, have, and make somebody's day. Because you know what? You're not doing this so you get attention or you should never be. Because that's the big part about generosity in God. It's not about, you know, grandeur and look at us. It's about God being lifted up. And you never know about the way that that's going to affect somebody's life at that moment. It's going to change the world. Point three is this. Why should I be generous? Because it strengthens my faith. In the first service I shared this, and Laura Cannon was in here. Lee's been with me, and we went to Poland, and several times and one of the things that I remember while we were in Poland was one time we had to do a vacation Bible school we had students with us and one of the things that really bothered me was uh, the language barrier that we had in Poland you know they have a joke and I told it in the first service does everybody know that Polish is the language of heaven raise your hand that if you knew that I'm teaching something theologically okay you'll be able to go out of here today Polish is the language of heaven. And theologians know this because it's going to take you an eternity to learn it. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. They have so many consonants in every one of their words that, I mean, you can't even pronounce it. But while we were over there in Poland, working for Burlington Baptist Church during our partnership with this group of students, we were asked to do vacation Bible school kind of thing with kids. And I noticed that the kids were having such a hard time, and they weren't getting close. And one of the children that were with us, well, children, one of the students that was with us was my niece. She had come up from Florida. And um, as Casey went with us, I noticed on the bus that day that we got on with the kids that she was really struggling because she wanted to be able to talk and communicate with the kids. And outside of the yes, the no's, and stuff like this, and Eloise, you know it's true, a lot of those words we don't, have an idea what they're saying to us. Well, they had taken us out in the country. So we hop off this bus in the country, and I'm, I'm not lying to you. It's like going down 20 in the old days. You get out down there, and 
grass grown up on both sides of it, and you see like a one-lane gravel road that goes back, and these kids get off the bus, and they start walking back the road. So we started following them, saying, well, Lord, if their parents come looking for them, they'll find us too. That was kind of the way it was. We get to the end of this lane, and there's this large lake. And my niece, in high school and college, she was a swimmer. When she saw that large lake and that body of water, Casey was home, man. I can hit the water, you know. I I can do water stuff. So I remember Casey running towards the water. She kicked off her flip-flops, threw her stuff down, and took one of her big dives, just like she was getting ready to start a race. The problem is when she dove, I could still see Casey because the the water was only that deep. (laughs) Casey stood up out of that water, and she had dirt just dripping off the front of her. And it's a black, silty dirt. It's not like our dirt over here. And I remember every one of those little kids that were with us started laughing so hard. And they kicked off their stuff. And they ran into the water and they were reaching down the mud and they were going around. And all day long while we were there, Casey would have mud caked in her hair because they just dig it up. But it changed the world because the next day they brought some friends. It changed the world in laughter and generosity and love won the moment. God was able to reach those kids that we weren't ever going to be able to learn a language in five days. But just our openness and our willingness to share is the same thing that we have here. If you have the willingness and the openness to go out these doors and share, you're going to change these people's world. Because there's nothing better for the world to see nowadays is a Christian that is full of love and not complaints. To find a Christian that's willing to help without conditions. A Christian that's willing to step out without worrying about what I'm going to get out of it. Because that's not where we're built. Nor should it ever be. Point number four is this. Why eternity? Because it's an, uh, why generosity? Because it's an investment in eternity. Many of you know that I worked on my first degree in history at Cumberland College. And I love history. Kills my family to this day. Unfortunately, you usually have to find the only good movies that are about history are the black and white ones because the new ones, they they make up so much. But there was one movie that came out in 1989. And uh, it starred Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington. And it talked about the plight of the greatest struggle of this country. I just want to clarify for you right now, the greatest struggle of this country is not Clinton versus Trump, okay? We're just fixated on now. But the biggest struggle in this country was the Civil War. When we raised guns, we went on a battlefield, we were shooting brother and brother. But one of the things that I learned in all my years of reading, visiting some Civil War battle sites, reading stories and accounts of soldiers is this, that faith was real. 
and not just a faith that was just, okay, I believe in God, but one when they were so generous that they were thinking about other people. Show that clip. Knowing what those gentlemen were going to face the next day. Knowing that in their lives, the ultimate sacrifice was probably going to be required. There's a couple of things that really stood out to me. Morgan Freeman, probably my most favorite actor of all time. Not just because of, you know, the roles that he's played, but the way that he conducts himself. He, he doesn't put on airs. But one of the things that he said there was he was talking about the generations that are to come. The fact that he had left his family behind. And it mattered to him what was going to happen to those people. It mattered to him the fact that they went freedom for everyone and that they wanted to escape not only this battle but war something that we as human beings have created and the struggle at that point in time internally had to be immense and I realize it's a movie but I'm going to tell you that I've read enough ledgers of soldiers and it's not just the civil war I've heard it from every war and seen little snippets of what people have written. I've also heard it from people that continue on daily. That their one thought is, what's it going to be like? Are they going to understand that God loves them and cares for them? Is it important enough to us now to make sure that our children and our grandchildren know why we went to church. Know why we claim to be Christians. And I'm going to tell you as a father, there's so many times that I fail in this, but there's one thing that I'm not going to fail. I'm never going to fail to tell my children why I love Jesus and how he's helped us out and how he's watched over me. There's a verse of scripture in Luke 16.9. says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. In other words, you ain't to take it with you. Use whatever resources God has blessed you with. Those talents, your intellect, financially, whatever they are to make sure that you come in contact with others, especially people that don't know Jesus Christ. And then speak into their lives. And the things that you will see in eternity just might be those people. Because all this other stuff you're accumulating, you ain't taking with you. Talked to a funeral director today, I said, today, this week, and I asked him, I said, what is the most expensive coffin that you've ever seen in your life? And he named some kind of precious metal, and he said, you know, he said to me, he says, 
such a waste of resources. Such a misplaced thing because he says that thing sits in the same kind of vault as every other coffin that's sold. And that person ended up in the same place. Don't waste the resources that God has blessed you with. And while we're drawing breath on this earth, don't you ever give up on the mission of reaching out and being generous to people. Point five is this. Why I should be generous? Because it blesses me in return. And I simply told this story. This is a very short line story. It's personal to me. Because when I went to college several years ago, 35, um, my father told me, he says, listen, so he said, you're going to have to figure out how to pay for this. He says, I will do whatever I can for you. Now, granted, it was $2,750 a year for me when I went away to college. And I like all the young people's expression. 2,700. Yeah, what was worse is when I had to pay off my last bill, and they came and they took, presented me with a bill of $250, and I tried to figure out where I was going to come up with $250. Same problem you have, different time, but I'd rather have $250 than $25,000 any day. But one of those things that was pointed out to me, a gentleman that my father introduced me to, told me, he says, I need you to write me a letter. Just tell them what you're going to do when you're in school and tell them the stuff that you've done out of school. And I wish I'd been a more studious person, but uh, praise God, my children have taken after me. Um, and that hurt this year when I sent Brett away to school. It did. <laughs> Some more Berkman, higher grades? No, it didn't work. But anyway, he said, write this letter. And I wrote this letter to two people, and I didn't know who I was writing to, and it's foundation the two people started, their names were Francis and Ruth Moore. And Francis and Ruth Moore were not only a couple that had this dream to see any student, didn't matter what their means were, to make sure that they could afford to go to school. Now, they don't write off checks for the pay for the whole thing, but they contribute to your amount. So I wrote this letter, and I received this letter back was congratulating me that I had been awarded a Francis and Ruth Moore scholarship and that it was going to take all the bulk and the, the heavy burden off of me for paying for school. And I was thankful. My dad told me, he says, listen, so he says, I want you to write a letter to those people. He says, it's not a letter of thanks, but he says, I want you to stay in communication with them. Just drop them a note. Do you realize that children can't write a note nowadays because they don't teach handwriting in school? Never mind. There goes my ADD. So I did that. And I would get letters back just thanking me um, for being so um, forthright with them and making sure that they were well. There were times in my scholastic that I wished that I could have told them that I was doing a little bit better, but I wasn't. But it didn't seem to matter because they weren't doing this to bring glory to themselves. They were doing that to help out individuals and they felt that was their calling. And this is where it returns back to you. A couple weeks ago, Brett came in. He goes, I got some mail. He says, I need you to read it. I read it. 
And he had been awarded a Francis and Ruth Moore scholarship for Cumberland College. And it became very evident to me that as a Christian, everything that I do to be generous is going to be paid back into my heart. And that's exactly what that couple intended to do. And they've helped so many students going to Georgetown, Camelsville, and Cumberland over the years. That became their mission. And it wasn't to get their name on a scholarship. It was because they had a dream that people that couldn't afford it were going to be taken care of. That should be our dream as a church. That should be your dream as an individual. That should be your dream as a Christian, that every person is taken care of. Not expecting them to answer the right questions or check off the right boxes, but look at the people just as God sees them as souls in search of a father. And everything that we do from our heart ought to be happy and generous and not complaining and not whining because that's not the way that our God ever acted towards us. In Acts 20, 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus did say that. And your blessings as a Christian will become immense the more that you give away. And again, I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about time. I'm talking about love. Sometimes money's the easy way. I'll just write a check and I'll let them go on. The hard thing is having connection with people and connecting to them. See, point number six says that why generosity? Because it produces happiness, even where you're not looking for it. And my, one of my other favorite actors, I have to admit this, is Will Ferrell. Now, I can't show you a lot of Will Ferrell cuts, but I'm going to show you one from a movie that he did. It's called Stranger Than Fiction. Will Ferrell is a wonderful dramatic actor. And he's about like Steve Martin was. When I was growing up, Steve Martin was nothing but the wild and crazy guy playing the banjo with an arrow through his head. And later in life, Steve Martin did some great roles that are serious roles. But this is one that Will Ferrell did. Um, and I think it really goes to the point of sometimes when somebody is being generous to you, make sure you're ready to respond in the right way. You see... When you talk about generosity, you have to talk about the other side of it too. That when you're in need, be willing to accept someone when they come to you because they're God's ambassador. I'm a firm believer in that. I've seen God's ambassador work in my life so many times. 
See, here's the point. When a person goes out of their way to be generous to you, make sure that you take it in understanding that they love and they care for you. That it's not just something that they're doing to check off a box, but they're doing it because they receive a blessing. And I say this to people all the time. I say it to Ken all the time. Somebody will come in and uh, we'll be sitting in a restaurant somewhere talking or something like that. And somebody come up and all of a sudden the bill doesn't come up. And, it, and he'll look at me and, and I'll sit there and go, don't steal their blessing. I said, in that moment, don't steal their blessing. And likewise, when I do something for somebody, I like the fact that I walk away. I don't ever have to know how they took it. It's not what I'm doing it for. So generosity also requires us to understand how the other side works. While you're being compassionate and loved, be sensitive and understand what people might be going through. The point number seven, the most important point, why generosity? Because it makes us more like God. It's not going to make you into God It's going to make you more like God. And the more and more that people see God through my actions, through my words, through my deeds, through my generosity, the more God is able to be blessed. 1 Chronicles 29, 14 says this. But who I am and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. You see, like I said in the beginning, it's not ours to begin with. And when acts of generosity happen nowadays, sometimes we miss it. It happened a couple of weeks ago. People ask me, how can I be generous and how can I live a generous life? It simply boils down to four things. When you're generous, you're generous thoughtfully, enthusiastically, voluntarily, like I said, carefully understanding who you're dealing with. But I want to show you a short clip of a video that happened a couple weeks ago. I'm sure you've heard about it but probably the best example I've seen of somebody being generous over and beyond the call, even when it costs them something. I sit there and I watch that, and you know, it's, it's not an, a big cry for uh, faith and Christianity. It was just the simple act that both of these young ladies took. And I have a special appreciation for running because both of my daughters do that. And I know that the time and the effort that people put into something, sometimes their investment becomes worth more to them than what should happen. And that's not what played out. Because, really, they could have just jumped up, one of them, and just left the other one and ran on. But because they both acted in a similar fashion and turned around, 
They eliminated themselves from what he said was qualifying for the finals of the race and dashing all their dreams of winning a medal at the Olympics. You know what? Medals from the Olympics won't go to heaven. There's not a special deposit place where that's going to buy you entry into heaven either. So I've always wondered in myself, and I always question myself about the fact in the circumstance like that, am I going to be the kind of person that is going to give up their dream and something that they've worked up hard in order to help another? And you know, being in the position that I am, I can tell you there is not a day that I regret my decision to work for God. And that's not being a pastor. That's being a believer. I just wish that I'd done it all the time. Because I always remember the failings in my life. But my challenge isn't to make you a perfect person because it's not going to happen. My challenge is just try. If you've not had generosity and love and caring and, and that kind of emotion in your heart, walk out of here today and try to find some place or someone to begin the feedback. Maybe it's the fact that you can hold a child for an hour in a nursery. Maybe it's so you can come up here and bring snacks to a women's Bible study group that started up. Maybe it's the fact that you know people that work out in harm's way in our community. And we can find ways just to say we love them and appreciate them. Not wanting any kind of a special favor. But most importantly, maybe we can go out and find a way so people are going to say they're so generous and they're so caring. What is it that they have? Because I want that so badly. And then it opens the door so you can talk about Jesus Christ. Just a moment as the praise team comes up and we get ready to close. You're going to have a moment, call it time of decision. Maybe it's personal time to come and take communion. Maybe it's a little personal time with you and God that you need to get some stuff straight. Maybe you carried something in here today and you need somebody to pray with you. There are people here that love to pray with you and you come down to the altar and just share it. Or maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've got questions. That's why I'm standing down here. Any questions you have, I'll be willing to meet with you and talk with you and tell you how great it is to have a Savior that loves us so much that He defined generosity by a cross. So today as we join together in this time, just open up your hearts to God, maybe where you're at, just, just pray and ask Him what it is that you can be doing and maybe change your willingness to serve and be generous for others.